question. First off, I understand that this is a good thing to know. We want to please God. That's why we ask the question. But I think there are some negative things we need to address before we even go into God's will for our lives. So why are we obsessed with this question? The first thing is we are indecisive. We are. We struggle with being indecisive. And one of the main reasons for that is oftentimes we're afraid. Let's be honest, y'all. We have how many different majors as options to choose from? We have how many different vocations we can go into? We have how many opportunities? We have how much transportation to get where we want to go? There are so many opportunities that instead of freeing us, what it does a lot of times is it paralyzes us. Kind of like whenever Ellis was first born, and I can remember six, seven months in, whenever we first started getting him baby food. I remember the first time I went to the baby food section, and there's 948 different brands of baby food. And I'm thinking, holy cow, how do I get the choice right? I'm feeding my kid. I don't want him to die. So I'm looking at all these different things, and every one of them is arguing why they're better. You don't know any of the ingredients, and every one of them sounds like you should never make a child eat this. And it would be a lot easier, honestly, if I walked up and there were four choices. I could grab those four choices, and I wouldn't think twice about it. But so often for us, we look at the options out there and we're afraid to miss out. We're afraid, well, if I choose this major, I'm going to miss out on all these majors. Well, if I choose this career path, then I'm not going to get to do this career path. And oftentimes we let fear plague us. Another reason we struggle with this and being indecisive is in a lot of ways, we have the wrong idea of what God's will and God's calling is on our lives. Where in God's word do we see where it says, God's going to reveal your five-year plan to you? Just pray hard enough and your 10-year plan will be there with a 401k on the side. You know, like, like nowhere does it say that in God's word. Rather, it tells us to walk with him. It tells us that he will guide us. God's word never says and he never promises that he will tell us what tomorrow holds. Today is sufficient for itself. Now, does God have a plan for your life? Yes, no doubt he does. We see that in his word. But is God gonna reveal to you what's gonna happen a year, two years, three years from now? Most likely, no. I don't know if you've heard this before, but it's always good for Christians to make plans so that God can see how, God can show you how he's gonna change them. Many of you didn't even plan to come to college here and you're in college here. Many of you have already switched your major and you didn't plan to ever get in the major that you're in, but you're there. And so oftentimes we have a wrong view of what God's will really is. The second reason we're paralyzed by this is we have unrealistic expectations. And this is good to recognize in ourselves because this is a struggle that really, I think, only we have had. We often have unrealistic expectations. We expect to graduate, get a job in the field we want, get a position high up in the area that we want, to make good money coming out, to live like our parents already are living, but to also make this massive difference on the world. And honestly, we have an unrealistic expectation of that life is hard. <laughs> it can be difficult. Most people who graduate often get a job in the opposite, in another field that's not in their major. And so the whole reason I say that is we have to have realistic expectations. And that's what's coming into God's will. We need to have that idea that we need to have realistic expectations. And the last thing, and I think this is the biggest thing, this is definitely the biggest thing for me where I struggle with God's direction is we don't trust God. I mean, just hands down. We struggle with trusting God. Let me prove that. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter six. And y'all, I'm gonna go and apologize. We're gonna be all over the place tonight. That's the only struggle with preaching through a topic or talking through a topic, whatever you wanna call this. Um, 
And so we're going to be a little bit all over the place. I'll have it on the screen for you if you don't have a Bible with you or if you're not using your phone. But we're going to look at Matthew 6. And I want to look at what Jesus has to say about worrying about the future, thinking about the future. Matthew 6, look at verse 25. Matthew 6, starting with verse 25, it says this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And then I'm going to summarize the next few verses. Jesus first says, don't be anxious about your life. How many of us have failed there? <laughs> right? We're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what shirt to wear today, much less what major to get. <laughs> but we're anxious about our lives. We're, we're anxious about the future because we don't know and we just want God to tell us, what's my calling? What do I know? I need to know. But Jesus says, don't be anxious about your life. Then he goes on and says, I take care of the birds. Don't you think I'll, I'll take care of you? I take care of the lilies of the field. Don't you think I will take care of you? And then he gets to the root of the issue. Verse 30, look at what he says. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? What does he say there? Oh, you of little faith. Whenever we're anxious and worried about our future, it's not so much out of a good thing of God, I just want to know what your will for my life is. Yo, it's actually unbelief. It's actually not having faith that, God, you are in control. God, you know what you're doing. God, I'm going to follow your plan. So the question is, what is God's plan? Many of you know this. A lot of you probably haven't memorized. You've heard this verse how many times? Matthew 6, says this. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So what does Jesus say? Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, all that stuff you're worrying about, I will take care of it. So what should you be focusing on about? Because the problem is, is we worry about the things that God doesn't worry about. God's desire is you. What God cares about is you. He cares more about who you are than what you're going to do. Because the truth is, is we can glorify God in anything. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That means we live for him and we live to be like him. And then we trust him with the rest of it. He has the plans. He knows what plans he has for us. That's in 1 Peter 5, 7, or 6 through 7, where he says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. God cares about your today. He cares about your tomorrow and he's got it taken care of. He just calls us to seek him and seek to follow him. I love this quote I read this week. It says, God calls us to run hard after him, his commands and his glory. The decision to be in God's will is not the choice between should I live in Memphis or in Dallas? Should I have an engineering major or an art major? It's the daily decision we face to seek God's kingdom or ours, to submit to his lordship or ours, to live according to his rules or our own. If you were here this Sunday, Chris talked at one point, he said that one of the most highlighted verses this year by people was Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to the Lord. And it says, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now he says, do not be anxious, not because he says, and the plans of God will be revealed to you shortly. God's plan for calming our anxiety is not a plan, it's his peace. 
It's him. It's not that he's going to tell us what's coming. It's he's going to say, I've got it under control. That's why you see in verse 9, I think this is interesting. If you look at verse 9, it says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and what happens? The God of peace will be with you. How do you get the peace of God as you walk with God? You live for him and you seek to be like him. So what is your calling? It's to seek God's kingdom and his righteousness and trust that he will take care of the rest. So with that background, the two main questions that we're looking for today is what is God's will for our lives and how can we discern God's guidance? And we're gonna move through these fairly quickly. What is God's will for our lives and how can we discern God's guidance? I wanna start before I get into that and just say this. Y'all, if we do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, this is not gonna matter. This isn't the biggest issue. The biggest issue, first and foremost, is do you know Jesus? Are you a follower of his? Have you surrendered the rights to your life to him? Are you saying, Lord, I wanna live for you? Are you his? Because if you're not, then none of this stuff is gonna make sense. And honestly, none of this stuff is gonna apply. And so I wanna encourage you first and foremost, have you surrendered your life to him? Have you repented of your sin, recognizing that he died to be your savior and that he has a plan for you? And it's much better than what you and me could come up with. So what is God's will for your life? Well, we are in luck tonight because there are four passages in the Bible that say this is God's will for you. Makes it pretty easy for us, right? So the first one is this. God's will is for you to live holy, set-apart lives. God's will is for you to live holy, set-apart lives. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4.3. I'll have it on the screen. Pretty clean cut. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. And then after that, it goes on to talk about what does sanctification mean? This idea of sanctification is the process of us becoming like Jesus. I love one definition. It says, it's the process of becoming who Christ already declares you to be. If you're a follower of Jesus, he says that you are righteous, so be righteous. If you're a follower of Jesus, then he says you are holy, so be holy. He's calling you to be what he's already given you. If we have the righteousness of Christ whenever we come to be a follower of him, then he wants to give us that righteousness and he wants us to embody that and to live that out and to live as he would live. So we see this, God's will for our lives is to be wholly set apart. The second thing we see is that God's will is for you to rejoice, pray, and give thanks in all circumstances. God's will is for you to rejoice, pray, and give thanks in all circumstances. Once again, this is pretty clean cut. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. It says this, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In a world where anxiety and worry looms large, this is an obsolete text for us. That's how we treat it. But if anything, this should be on our minds at all times. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks. Be content with where you are at. Don't think so much about where you could be or what you could be doing or this, that, the other. Think God has brought you here in this moment and that is not by accident. He's used somebody who's broken and somebody who needs him and yet you are still exactly where he wants you to be and he still has a plan for you. Number one, that's to be holy and set apart and in the midst of that, to rejoice, to pray to him continually and to give thanks in all circumstances. Even if you say, God, I have no clue what's gonna happen a year from now. That should excite us more than it should fear us because if you follow Christ, get ready. There's no telling what he can do through your life. 
And most likely, it's not at all what you think. But I'm telling you, it's better. If somebody would have told me five years ago, you're gonna be the college pastor at First Baptist, I would probably have laughed. I would have said, I'm getting out of Ruston, and you ain't never gonna see me again. That didn't happen. Whenever I moved to North Carolina, if you'd have told me I was gonna move to Mississippi a year later, I'd be like, North Carolina, Mississippi. Let's really weigh that option. Y'all, God moves and he leads and he guides. And we're called to rejoice, pray, stay connected to him, and to be thankful and content in all circumstances. The third thing, God's will is for you to know him more and bear fruit. It's to know him more and bear fruit. I love this prayer from Paul in Colossians chapter one. Let's just read verse nine. It says this. Paul says, and so from the day we heard, he's talking to the church of Colossae, and he's saying, from the day we heard about you coming to faith in Christ, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Isn't that what we want? We want to be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's great. What's the secret? Well, Paul shares exactly what that means. He says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Once again, we see God's will is this, for us to walk in him, to walk in a manner worthy of him. That means whatever we do, we do it to glorify him. Once again, God cares so much more about who we are than what we are doing. He cares more about who you are than where you're gonna live. He cares more about who you are than what profession you're gonna have. Does he have a plan for that? Yes, but that's not the primary thing for him. His primary thing is you. Who are you becoming? If we're not glorifying God now, why would he bless us with the job whenever we're not gonna glorify him there? The greatest indicator of what you're gonna look like five years from now is what you look like and are doing right now. Are you seeking to walk in a manner worthy of him? This might sound like, okay, this kind of says the same thing. Well, hopefully that is kind of ringing true. Walk in a manner worthy of him, seeking to bear fruit and increasing in the knowledge of God in the midst of that. The fourth thing we see is this. God's will is for us to live spirit-filled lives. God's will is for us to live spirit-filled lives. This comes from Ephesians 5, 17 through 18. Look at verse 17. This is actually kind of brutal if you really think about what Paul's saying. In 17, he says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So if we don't understand what the will of the Lord is, what is Paul saying we are? Ouch. Thanks, Paul. I'm a tinkerer and I'm foolish. See, here's the thing is, God's will is made known to us, but we worry about the things God is not worried about. He's got a plan. He says, do not be foolish. Do not worry about all that, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then he says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, which people usually stay on that side and kind of miss the whole point of that verse, which is this, but be filled with the Spirit. But be filled with the Spirit. See, the truth is this, is we're called to know his will And the good thing is that if you're a follower of Jesus, he's given you his spirit to help you live that out. How are you gonna become who God has called you to be through his spirit, not through your own power? How are you gonna live as Christ has called you to live through the spirit, not through your own power? How are you gonna be guided through life to where you need to go and become who God has called you to be through the spirit and not through your own power? We have this power from Christ 
if we are followers of him. One verse that I know is fairly familiar with most of you probably is Romans 12, one through two. And I think it sums this up pretty cleanly actually. And I want you to read this and I'll just cover this real quick. Romans 12, one and two says this. Paul says, I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I want you to see three things here about God's will. One, it says present yourself as a living sacrifice. I heard David Platt use this one time and I think it's really good. He said, being a living sacrifice or this idea is writing a blank check, handing it to God and say, sign what you want, however much it costs, wherever I am, whatever it is, I'm yours. You have my life. Being a living sacrifice means that because God gave his own son to come and do the most gruesome thing imaginable and dying for our sins, we now realize that he gave his life for us and it is our responsibility and privilege to give our lives back to him. And so looking for God's will, we have to first be able to say, God, my life is yours. Wherever, whenever, however, whatever you call me to, I will go. We have to give God a blank check. Secondly, we see this. He says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. This is Paul saying the same thing once again. It's not only do you say, God, I am yours, but you're saying, change me. I want to grow more like you. I want to learn more like you. I want to be more like you. And then you see whenever you have those two things, you offer God your life. You say, God, I'm not gonna live like the world. I'm gonna live for you. You see that it says by testing, you can discern what the will of the Lord is. Once again, that's an ongoing thing. As you go, you can discern what the will of the Lord is. And I know that's the main question. So how do we know? How does God guide us? How do I know what to do or where to go? If he does guide us, if it, even if it's not five years from now, how is it today? How is it tomorrow? How does that work? I want to give you five simple principles, quick principles of how this works and what God uses to guide us. The first thing is this. The way God guides us, he guides us through his word and prayer. And I know this is like, a, okay, Merrick, we understand this, but God guides us through his word and through prayer. Now, unfortunately, we've had a lot of people abuse this where they say, okay, God, I need to hear a word from you. And they open it up and they're like, okay, that doesn't mean, but they do not consider that I remember all their evil. Okay, that really helped. Like, like a lot of times we mess up with that. I heard a story this week that maybe you've heard before. I found it kind of comical about this guy who was really struggling to know what God's will for his life was. And so he just opened up the Bible to Matthew 27, 5 and said, Jesus went, I mean, Judas went and hanged himself. He's like, okay, well, let me, let me retry this. Then he reopens back up to Luke 10, 37. And it says, and Jesus said, you go and do likewise. Like, that's not the way God's word works. It doesn't work that way. That's not good. If you're looking for God to guide you that way, that's not the way to do it. But we use God's word to guide us. I want to ask him this. How often do you read God's word? Like, let's think about this. We say that this has the answers to life. How often do you read it? How long have you been a believer and how many times have you read through this book cover to cover? To be honest, I bet at least over half of us never have read most of it, if not all of it. You know why, guys? Because we struggle <laughs> with what was said in the beginning. We say we believe in it, but oftentimes we doubt. If God's word really is God's word, 
If it really is what Hebrews 4.12 says, it's living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joint and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. If we really believe that, we'll understand that the more we read God's word, the more his thoughts will become ours, the more his ways will become our ways, the more his desires will become our desires. And when his desires are our desires, something awesome happens. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Whenever you read this and let it change your desire, you know what you get? Exactly what God has called you to. You live for him. You start to look more like him. But the problem is, is do we really believe that? Do we really trust that? Do we really see God's word for what it is? God's wisdom and his truth to us. Prayer. I don't know if there's anybody in here who wouldn't say I need to pray more. That's always been the case for us. We need to pray more. We need to pray more. Whenever we pray, instead of praying, God, show me your will, you need to pray, God, guide me. You know what? If you're in a major right now and you're struggling, say, God, guide me. Help me do my best. And if this just isn't right, guide me to something else. Show me something else. Guide me each day. Before Emily and I moved here, Several of you know a good bit of this story. There, we got to live in an apartment in Jackson that was right beside a park. There was one bench and all trees, a park. I guess you can call that a park. And so there's a point in my life whenever I realized I don't know the answers. I don't know what's going on. We're about to have a baby. I'm making $19,000 a year doing an internship. I just got offered a job and I prayed about it and I felt like God said no. <laughs> I just felt like he said no, where I was gonna be making well over double what I was making with a lot of good benefits and I felt like God said no, so I said no. And I can remember standing out in this field saying, God, I have no clue what you are doing. I got a baby coming. <laughs> I got to provide. That's my job. And I can remember just honestly just crying to the Lord for an hour and a half. And I did that every Wednesday morning for the next several weeks. I got a call from First Baptist Rustin about a college ministry position. And I said, Lord, I don't know if you've made, I want to stay here. I want to be a part of First Baptist Jackson. I want to stay here. I don't want to leave because it's difficult right now. I don't want to leave just because I see money somewhere. Show me the way. We came and actually met with the staff. And after meeting with the staff, I left and I told Emily, I, I'm, I don't feel like God has said you can leave yet. And so I prayed about it. And without Emily knowing, I turned down the position by emailing. She knew that I was going to turn down the position, but without a lot of the details with it and I emailed Clayton and said Clayton I, I don't think that's where we're going to be I'm sorry uh, sent that to him 30 minutes later I got an email from First Baptist Jackson who said your employment here will be terminated in May your internship ends up and we're not going to hire you on full time so not only did I just lose the only opportunity I had but now I just find out where I'm at it's going to go bye two days before Ellis was born my first son I didn't tell Emily I wasn't trying to bring on more labor and you know, I can remember going back to that same field and saying, God, I don't understand, but I know I did the right thing. I know I did. Guide me, please. And I can remember thinking, okay, I need to start searching. I need to start looking. I, I called my mentor and I said, what do you see me doing? What do you see my gifts or my talents? What would I be good at? And about a month later, we did the survey with him and he said, Merrick, you might be really good in college ministry. I was like, that ship sailed, right? And I started praying about it and I said, Lord, if you want us to do college ministry, make it known. A week later, I got an email from Clayton Owen and said, Merrick, hey, I just want to send an email back to you and just see if you'd reconsider coming and interviewing for the position at First Baptist Reston. 
Guys, I'm telling you, prayer works. I came and interviewed, and they were like, so why do you want to work here? I was like, oh, I'm going to work here. Like, I know that already. Like, just hire me on. God's made it, you know. But the truth is this, is God takes care of us. But you know what the whole point of that was? Was for God to show he's in control, yes, but for God to say, ah, you can have faith in me. You can trust in me. Walk with me. Walk with me. And I promise, you won't go in need. Through his word and through prayer. The second thing we see is through people. He guides us through people. And I'm going to kind of join this with the next one for time's sake. It's through people. And then third, it's through our gifts and desires. God guides us through people. God guides us through our gifts and desires. See, the thing about people that we don't often do is how often have you asked somebody close enough to you, what do you see me doing? What do you see me being good at? What do you see my skills and talents maybe? Um, where do you see me working? Or better yet, I'm in this major. Does this surprise you? If you're in a major that shocks people, that might not be a good thing. Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm in graphic design. I can't write my name, but I'm good. Like, okay, you probably should reconsider that. But we need to think about people around us who care enough to say, man, I don't think that's a good idea. We need to look at how has God made us? What desires has he given us? I think sometimes we act like God's will is going to say, okay, I love doing all these things. God's will must not be in that. I got to go do something else. No, God's given you desires and passions for a reason. I remember whenever I did my first two years of college, I was not in anything. I just was here for two years. Then my advisor said the worst words ever. You got to decide on a major. You're two years in. I was like, whatever. And so I picked business and, and started in business. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to do what the wise people do. I'm going to go to the computer and I'm going to take 59 surveys. What would I be good at? And so I just take all these surveys, all these surveys, what would I be good at? Doctor, because I want to help people. Like other occupations don't help people. But I'm a doctor. I'm going to help people. Okay, so I'm chemistry, and that's what I'm going to go for now. I told somebody close to me, and they laughed at me. They said, Merrick, you would hate being a doctor. I'm like, whatever, man. And then our natural instinct is, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to be the best. I'm going to be a brain surgeon. And, <laughs> and so I ended up job set shadowing a doctor here. Two weeks in, I was like, this is the mon most monotonous thing I've ever done in my life. Get me out of this wall. And I can remember him saying, Merrick, you love basketball. You love chemistry. Why not teach chemistry and coach basketball? I was like, oh, that might not be a bad idea. And ended up just saying, okay, well, I like that. I'll go for that. What's interesting is, is while I'm not in that, I graduated in chemistry education, which is why I'm a pastor, obviously, but uh, I ended up, ended up using my gifts and growing in my gifts of learning how to teach, learning how to do certain things, but it wasn't going to be for teaching chemistry. I didn't know what it was, but God guided me later into ministry. What are your gifts? What are your talents? What do people close to you say you would be good at? And a lot of times that's a great indicator. That's one way God guides us. The fourth thing is this, through our experiences and opportunities. Experiences and opportunities. A lot of us have passions for things for a reason because of our upbringing. We've had experiences. We've got to work certain jobs, and they've helped us either see what we want to do or what we don't want to do. I had an experience. I worked on a natural gas pipeline. I worked two days and quit and said, dear Lord, I'm getting my education. I couldn't do it. I knew that natural gas pipeline wasn't for me. Whenever I was in Ruston, I worked at Portico, Counterculture, Official, AT&T, and Paragon Corporation right here. I didn't want to do any of those. I found that out. But here's the thing. It's through opportunities and through learning, I found out I enjoy being around people. If I do anything where I'm working and it's not around people, I'm not doing something I'm supposed to be doing. I learned a lot about me. I learned a lot about my gifts. I learned a lot about what I'm not good at. But God used opportunities and experiences to help shape me. 
And so the fifth thing is this, and it might seem kind of, okay. We learn God, God guides us through us doing something for God's glory. Through doing something for God's glory. And by that I mean just do something. Just go for it. Go for it trusting that if that's not where you're supposed to be and you're walking with the Lord, he will guide you somewhere else. God guides us as we move. You can't move a car and park. It won't roll. It has to be in neutral. It has to be willing to be moved. That's the idea of a blank check. Saying, God, I'm gonna make this decision of a major with what you've given me the best I can. I'm gonna walk with you. I'm gonna give this major excellence. I'm gonna be my best in it. Oftentimes we don't like our major, but we're not in class half the time and we give lackluster efforts. Of course you don't like your major. So the thought is this, wherever God has you, be all there. Do your best. Pray, God, if you want me in something else, guide me there. I know you will. If not, I'm gonna glorify you in this major. I'm gonna glorify you in this position, in this job. Maybe you graduate. And sometimes the worst question to ask, because people assume you're supposed to know, so what are you doing when you graduate? I know a lot of you, every time somebody says that, you feel like they're taking a sword and like stabbing you in the heart and looking at you like, you don't know anything about your life. You're like, oh, well, I'm just gonna go master's and doctorate, obviously. You know, I mean, here's the thing, y'all. Sometimes God works in ways we could never even imagine. But we have to be willing to do something. God doesn't move people who aren't trying to do something, who are trying to let him guide them. God rarely moves people who are being lazy, which is really a struggle for our generation as well. God rarely uses people who want to stay adolescents as long as they possibly can because we don't want to grow up and take responsibility. God wants to use you. He has a plan for you and he will reveal that as you walk with him, I promise, because it's in here. I've experienced it. You have difficult choices, job, major. I want to encourage you, seek the Lord, but make the best option you can and be excellent at it. Maybe it's a relationship, you're unsure. If both of you are living for the Lord and being in this relationship makes you more Christ-like, then I'm all for it. If it's not, then I would really question whether it's God's will or not. Remember, God cares about you and who you are becoming. God cares about them and who they are becoming. Last thing I want to end with saying this. Sometimes God's guidance is fully evident. I talked about coming here, but sometimes it's not. Whenever I had to pick which seminary, I knew I wanted to go into ministry. I wanted to go into ministry, and I knew God had called me into that. I was ready to go in that. I'd had affirmation from friends about it. But then it was like, which seminary? You know what, I ended up going to Southeastern, but my guess, I, I never had clear direction from the Lord. Southeastern is where you need to be. My guess is if I'd have gone to New Orleans, I'd have been in his will. If I'd have gone to Southwestern, I would have been in his will. If I'd have gone to Southern, I would have been in his will. You know why? Because God told me who I was going to be. He didn't make it clear where. Sometimes God gives us choice and we just have to choose and say, God, glorify me as I go. Whenever I was in North Carolina and we got the opportunity to move to Jackson, it was one of the hardest moves ever. I didn't want to go and I was like, I feel like the Lord's guiding us there though for some reason. I had my mentor, I'll never forget. He said, Merrick, one, you need to be thankful for the opportunity. Second, you need to seek God's guidance. Third, you need to seek others' guidance. 
And then lastly, you just need to pick something and say, regardless, God, I'm gonna glorify you. We can't live in fear. If God is in control and we're walking with him, why are we so afraid to make a choice? He will guide us. I can promise you that. We need to write a blank check to God. My life is yours. We need to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Then we need to do something, walk with him, and say, Lord, lead us and guide us. I'm not saying that's easy, so don't hear that. But I'm saying it'll make you into God who God has called you to be. It takes no faith to know what's going on every single day for the next five years. It takes a lot of faith to say, God, I'm yours. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you that you are a God who has a plan. You are a God who cares. You're a God who loves us and you're not a God who is silent. You've given us your word to speak to us, Lord, and I pray that you have tonight. I pray that this wasn't too jumbled and it wasn't too much and it wasn't too long or anything like that, God, but I pray that we heard you today and, God, that we'd go and we'd use these. We'd have this wisdom, Lord, and to use it and to apply it. It means nothing if we just hear it and go out and worry once again. Help us be obedient to you tonight. Let's call this, Father, in your name. Amen.